Welcome to impactboom.org. We search the globe to find the people, stories, ideas, and inspiration to help you create maximum positive impact. Each week, Impact Boom brings you thought-provoking interviews with world-leading practitioners passionate about creating positive social change. These designers, social entrepreneurs, educators, innovators, thinkers, and doers share their projects, initiatives, thoughts, and insights on creating a better world. You can find all the stories, links, and other great content at impactboom.org. Follow us on Facebook or Twitter for the latest updates, or subscribe to the newsletter or on iTunes. Thanks for listening to episode 127 of Impact Boom. My name's Tom Allen, and I'm passionate about bringing you the latest interviews and insights to help you create positive social impact. Today, we're speaking with Sharon Zivkovich. Sharon has 20 years experience in social entrepreneurship, and from 1999 to 2005, she supported citizens to create community enterprises while working on urban regeneration projects in South Australia. In 2005, she left the public sector and founded Community Capacity Builders, which has been delivering social entrepreneurship and active citizenship programs since 2006. In 2008, Sharon undertook a PhD research project to determine how to increase the impact of Community Capacity Builders programs. A key output from Sharon's research was a model for addressing wicked problems that is based on complexity science. And in 2015, Sharon and Emily Humphreys received the University of South Australia Pank Prize for Entrepreneurship, which funded the establishment of Wicked Lab and the development of an online tool based on the model from Sharon's PhD project. So in addition to the online tool, Wicked Lab now delivers a complex systems leadership program and a program that supports systemic innovation labs. So on today's podcast, we'll discuss Sharon's insights into the Australian social innovation sector. We'll get Sharon's thoughts and perspective on social innovation opportunities, and we'll hear what Sharon believes is the best way to tackle complex community issues. So Sharon, thanks very much for joining us today. Thank you, Tom. I'm looking forward to our chat. Oh, likewise. So to kick things off, Sharon, could you please share a little bit about your background and what led you into a career specialising in social innovation and entrepreneurship? Well, uh, I've got a background in business. So in the 90s, I was actually the finance manager of Cosmia Australia. Um, and I used to also work part-time for the, the School of International Business at University of South Australia. Hmm. And then in 1999, I started work on an urban regeneration project as the Employment Development Officer. And, and the reason for the change was because I've actually got a welfare background. So I was on, I was on the sole parent pension for 15 years. I was uh, living in social housing in this particular community that was having the urban regeneration project. Yeah. Um, um, and so I went back to actually, you know, contribute to the, the rebuilding of this community. And it was and, and it was 1999, so there was like high levels of unemployment. And so the reality of people who were long-term unemployment getting full-time jobs, it was really, really difficult. So we ran this program called How to Be Enterprising in the New World of Work. And it it included working in collectives. And after we finished this initiative, a few weeks later, I got a, a four-page letter from the participants on this program mm. um, saying that they told me that they were still meeting in each other's homes. And the final line of this letter, I, I still remember it, was, we have rediscovered hope. 
And so we ran a couple more of these programs and the people from the first program came and met with the people on the future programs and they formed an organisation called the Organisation for Northern Enterprise. And I had a mate at the time who took 16 of these members through um, training qualifications and they started up this mutual and went after contracts um, delivering financial management courses to youth in the northern suburbs of Adelaide yeah. using the cash flow board game. So that was really my, my start and it happened at the time when we had the release of the welfare reform final report, which was really the, I guess, the push for the social entrepreneurship sector in Australia. That was 2000 and that had recommendations like the formation of the Australian Social Entrepreneurs Network. And from there I went to other urban regeneration projects and because the focus of social entrepreneurship from that welfare reform final report was on building community capacity um, and strengthening communities. I, I, I was fortunate enough to take out an Enterprising Woman of the Year award back mm. in 2001, which gave me this incredible profile, which I kind of milked and, and started up community capacity builders, like rolling on all of the public speaking that I was doing with regards to that time. So that's a bit of my, my, my background and how, I, how I've got into working in this space. Wow. So tell us more about founding Community Capacity Builders and also Wicked Lab and the sort of projects that you're involved in now which are creating some great positive social change? Well, and they're very different. Community Capacity Builders and Wicked Lab are, are, are very different. With, with Community Capacity Builders and, and that role, I was contracted to uh, deliver the University of Adelaide's uh, social entrepreneurship program for 10 years. Mm. Um, but also at the beginning of Community Capacity Builders, I did a Master's of Entrepreneurship through the University of Adelaide. And for my nine-point project, I developed this leadership program. And the program focused on and it embedded into government systems. Um, so it was citizens actually working on projects, but they were linked to government systems. So, so the aims of Community Capacity Builders program was participants being able to develop a, a collaborative community capacity building project of their choice, bridging what they were doing to the strategic plans of government, and also getting involved in community governance. And since 2006, this has been like the training component of the City of Onkaparinga's, their Leadership Onkaparinga program. And I'm really aware of the impact of that program because for my PhD, I tracked 19 graduates of that program for two and a half years, mm. interviewed them for an hour every six months to see what they could do with what they'd learned from the program. And I knew that they were developing great projects and initiatives and a couple of them would actually went on to develop enterprises. And they, they also also uh, had all of the characteristics in the way they were working that the three levels of government in Australia wanted for active citizenship, but what they couldn't do was create systems change. Mm. And so now Community Capacity Builders is developing two new programs, a social entrepreneurship and an active citizenship program, but they're, but they're taking into account that, that need to understand systems um, into the programs. And that's really where Wicked Lab has come from. Wicked Lab has actually developed the, the model for my PhD. We've actually commercialised and we turned it into software. And Wicked Lab, the kind of projects that Wicked Lab is working on are the complex wicked problems. And the kind of pro we've got a uh, we're involved with a, a family violence project in New Zealand. 
Uh, we've got a food insecurity project that's using our systemic uh, innovation lab approach in Western Australia. We're about to start a, um, a disaster resilience project with the state government in South Australia. And one I'm particularly excited about is a, a partnership between local government and state government in South Australia that's looking at um, uh, climate adaptation. Um, and so mm. that's the kind of things we're working on. Well, wow. I mean, it's it's great that you've got a focus there really on looking at change from a systems level and, and more so from a root cause than, than sticking band-aids on things. So what have you learned then from working with communities and, you know, what are some of the fundamental ingredients that you think are necessary for these communities to be considering and, and using when trying to create projects that are creating positive change? If I was thinking of what is the, the, the fundamental thing I reckon that communities need to be thinking about is what type of problem they're trying to address. Mm. So is it a simple problem? Is it a complicated problem? Is it a complex problem? Because the, the problem itself have, has different characteristics. So for simple and complicated problems, they have clear relationships between cause and effect. Mm. So you can use program logic and theories of change and design thinking and, and those sorts of things which we traditionally use. But complex problems, they have a multitude of underpinning causes and those causal factors are intertwined. So there's all these positive and negative feedback loops. Yep. So you can't just come and throw projects and programs at it. So for me, it's 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 knowing what kind of problem you're addressing. There's this law called the law of requisite variety, which says that the type of problem you're trying to address, the complexity of that problem, you've got to address it with an approach that's got the same level of complexity. Mm. And so with regards to... With, with for simple and complicated problems, you know, service design is, is, is great, but for complex problems, you need systemic design. And the type of approach Wicked Lab takes for that is, is using a systemic design approach that looks at the, the, the dynamics of complex systems. So we take a complexity approach with regards to a systemic design approach. So that would be, I would say, is the, the fundamental ingredient know what problem you're addressing mm. and use an approach that matches it. Yeah, fantastic. So tell us a little bit more about the processes or tools and methodologies. And I mean, you've, you've mentioned a range of, of different design processes and, and ways of tackling these problems, but are there any specific ones that you could unpack a little bit further for the listeners? Yeah, well, for, for simple and complicated problems, which is the, the types of problems you're developing initiatives for, I'm a big believer in logic models and I'm a big believer in theories of change, you know what I mean? Because if you, if, you, if you can't describe your assumptions for the approach you're using to address a problem, you can't test those assumptions. Yeah. And your logic model is really what sets up your performance management system when you're actually working on stuff. For the for the new programs that Community Capacity Builders is developing, also using system maps so people can see where they fit within bigger systems with regards to both the problem system and the solution ecosystem with mm -hmm. regards to what they're addressing. For Wicked Lab, we use our own online tools. So we've developed software which assists communities. And and with that software, what people do, what they do is what they, they develop what's called a transition card, which measures the transition of systems change. Yeah, so, so Wicked Lab has developed its um, own tool 
and and that tool, how it's used, is uh, people who are using the tool, they use it for what's called a solution ecosystem. So if you've got a wicked problem, you've got you're actually addressing it in a place. So the boundary is the type of problem in a place. Yeah. And so they enter into the tool all of the initiatives that are addressing any of those underpinning causal factors and all of the organisations that are partnering on those initiatives. And then they map those initiatives to characteristics for transitions. So there's like 26 characteristics that support transitions from one state that the system's in to a more coherent state that's better able to address the wicked problem. Mm. And then there's another 10 characteristics which focus on the interface between that adaptive community system and the workings of government. So that's the tool that Wicked Lab uses. Wow. So in using this tool and and having collaborated with a number of different communities, have you seen any common reasons why projects might sometimes fail? I would say with regards to why why projects fail is... I think there's two parts to failure. One is 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 failure with regards to implementation, yeah. Um, and then there's there's kind of like failure with regards to not achieving impact mm. <laughs> or not achieving outcomes. Yeah. And so, with 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 failure with not achieving. Um, not with implementation. I, I, I'm a big believer in teams. I think the days of like the hero entrepreneurship stuff are going truly over with mm. regards to social entrepreneurship. And so it's having the right people there and the right type of leadership, a more collaborative, facilitative leadership. With regards to not achieving outcomes, as I, as I said before, I'm a, I'm a big believer with regards to theories of change and understanding the assumptions and and, and testing those assumptions. Um, so putting the work in, if you haven't got an understanding of how something works, it's really hard to actually achieve in, impact and it's, and it's even even harder to be able to transfer that and, and replicate that. If you, know, if you don't know what parts of what you're working on are the key ingredients, the magic source of why something creates change. Yeah. And then for, for for wicked problems, you know, it's still about it's still about community engagement is still important about having all of these different initiatives come together and work together. Um, and there's this need to understanding the uh, how how complex systems work. I think is also vital. And if you don't understand that and start using approaches that are more suited for simple and complicated problems then you're not going to achieve impact either yep absolutely so in working within the social enterprise sector or a movement over the past quite a few years of experience how have you seen this transform in the last five or so years and and where do you see it heading sharon i would say one of the big movements is uh with regards to social procurement and and i'm i'm a big fan of social procurement and i think i'm and and i'm I guess one of the reasons why I'm, not, I'm really highlighting on that one because I'm seeing organisations that are, are intermediaries actually changing their focus to social procurement. Yeah. Um, so I'd say that's a that's a that's a big change, and and but also there's a there's a bit of a concern with that in that social procurement. The the research kind of like says that it, it can actually stifle social innovation because a lot of those tenders and the contracts are kind of like quite prescriptive with regards to what they want delivered Mm. um so i do have i do have some concerns like i'm kind of like you know watching what's happening now with regards to the so the people who are playing in the high level social innovation more the disruptive 
type of social innovation are, are kind of like moving more into the startup communities than yeah. the social enterprise communities. And it's interesting because if we go back to 2010 when we had that phases report, the, 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 the finding Australian social enterprises, it was recognised that, you know, there was, there was the traditional social enterprises like the, you know, the cooperatives and the social firms and the social businesses and the community enterprises, but we also had these evolving kind of uh, social innovation businesses that were coming through and I'm, I'm, I'm a bit fearful we're going to lose that those out of the sector and they're going to move to the startup space because we've got a, a focus more on the servicey type approach um, because if they move to the startup space they're not going to be keeping track of their social impact to the same degree as if they were playing with us over here mm. <laughs> so that would be my, my a bit of my fear for the future yeah, how very interesting. So you've mentioned government quite a bit today, Sharon. So are there any ways that you think government can most effectively engage communities then in order to tackle some of these complex problems? Well, it's, it's a really good point because wicked problems by definition are complex social policy problems. So, mm. so governments have got a really key role to play, even to the extent like with the, the, with, uh, the Social Innovation Europe project, their report on systemic innovation, they reckon that governments have to create the enabling conditions for this kind of systemic way of working uh, to happen. But there is a problem in that, Governments like nice, clear relationships between cause and effect. They like to be accountable. They like to be timely. That Their way of working doesn't quite fit this, you know, create the conditions and let's see what kind of emerges. It's not the way, the way governments work. So taking this complexity type approach is difficult, but I think the, the focus really needs to happen at that interface between adaptive communities and government systems. And what's coming through in the research is how governments have to play this, what, how governments should play this way is they need to balance unplanned exploration of solutions with communities, but they need to balance that with a planned exploitation of what comes out of that. So they need to be able to take the innovation and the ideas and the knowledge back up into their, into their uh, government systems. We're finding with Wicked Lab, though, that because we're measuring transitions, um, we, we're measuring the characteristics in initiatives that contribute to system transitions, that we are getting some buy-in from government because at least they can measure the transitions. Um, but, yeah, government's got a vital role to play in, in, in addressing complex problems. Mm, they certainly do. So are there any inspiring projects or initiatives that you've come across recently that you believe are creating some fantastic positive social change? I had the pleasure last year of uh, visiting the city of Ghent in Belgium, mm. um, and they have they have a food council that is doing just some some amazing work. I've I've had a, an interest in, in in food type initiatives for, for many years, and the type of wicked problems that I've uh, that I've been you know involved with in Australia had been things like food insecurity, food waste, communities not being connected to their food systems as separate wicked problems. And what I found with the, what the work the Food Council were doing in the city of Ghent is they were looking at sustainable food systems, which encompassed all of those wicked problems. And so by look by 
being able to look over the, all of those wicked problems as one system, one sustainable food system, they were actually being able to focus on the interrelationships between those systems. Mm. And I must admit, when I got back, we, we actually uh, made some changes to, to uh, the, the software, uh, to, to Wicked Lab software, so that we can actually merge transition cards so that if we have somebody who's working on food insecurity and they decide, oh, no, we're going to start working on food waste and bring it together we can now actually merge those cards together so yeah i found that i found that project quite amazing with regards to the work they were doing there Mm -hmm. yeah it sounds really progressive so to finish off then sharon what books would you recommend to the listeners Wow, I, I have to come clean that I'm, a, I'm a, a big academic journal article reader. So, <laughs> so with regards to the complexity theory, I, I'm into the emergence, complexity and organisation journal um, and we're about to bring out a special issue that I'm, I'm co-editing with a colleague uh, that's looking, that's bringing in some of the papers from the International Social Innovation Research Conference because we've got, a, we've got a, a complexity stream for that. I'm also into the social enterprise journal so I'm a big fan of the social enterprise journal with regards to books and books that have influenced me I would say Joseph Nye's book on soft power so and that and and that's really related to how governments can work with communities with regards to attracting communities so instead of like the sticks and carrots type of power is how do you develop policies that are attract people um, to, uh, so it's like more of a visionary policy. Michael Lipsky's book on civil bureaucracy and how street-level workers interact when they're working with citizens. And, uh, and I, I, there's, a, there's a 30th anniversary edition which looks at not only street-level bureaucrats but street-level workers more generally because a lot of the, over the years, a lot of the work that governments used to do has been outsourced to non-profits and so you have people working with non-profits who are, who've got kind of a bureaucratic-y type role um, working with citizens. And then I'd say finally Geoffrey Moore's book on crossing the chasm. So if you're, you're working on a, a discontinuous innovation such as Wicked Lab has with regards to its software it kind of like sets out the plan with regards to um, developing a whole product solution to make it easier for people to actually take your innovation on board. So I would say um, they are the books that have influenced me with regards to my work. Fantastic. Well, I'll make sure to stick links in the article so that people can find them easily. So Sharon, thanks so much for sharing your generous insights and time today. There's been some some fantastic insights and I look forward to tracking your journey into the future and, and seeing where you take Wicked Labs and, and your other projects. Thank you, Tom, and thank you for the opportunity. It's been a pleasure. Oh, it's been my pleasure. Thanks again. Thanks for listening to Impact Boom. You'll find links to the initiatives, people and resources mentioned in this podcast on impactboom.org. Please leave your comments below and remember, we'll be publishing fresh inspiration and insights to help you create positive impact every week on the website, Facebook page and Twitter.